Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Hashtag Leadership What's On Your Mind. Remember, we're a podcast to make you stop and think about your leadership journey and we're going to add value by speaking to amazing people with amazing stories and experts in their field. So before we go any further, I want to share some very exciting news. We are going to be evolving the podcast. So between this episode and the next, you'll see a lot of changes. Um, we are still running a thread of leadership and we're going to be called the Leadership Lounge. We're going to be um, speaking to amazing people individually, but we're going to add an element of um, panel based discussions as well around things that we're dealing with in the corporate world. We got around retention, engagement and having um, business leaders come on and talk about how they're tackling those problems. And um, this is off the back of um, my business, Star Development UK, um, evolving again. We've acquired a tech. Um, asset to the company and um, we're now being called um, TDL so tdlfuture.com so all the links will be in the comments below if you go and check it out and I can't wait to take you on that journey and if you follow us all across social media you've probably seen little bits already and um, on the last episode actually the um, little star development logo came off the um, podcast link as well so we're evolving and moving forwards as we all should be on our leadership journey so Today, Mark is sitting there really nicely, politely, and listening to me rabbit on. So um, we've got Mark today. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. So I'm kind of, I didn't want to say that this is coming to the end and you're like the last episode of Hashtag Leadership What's On Your Mind, but you technically are, and, and it's a privilege to have you on. We've only recently met, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself as I hit the 20-minute timer, but... Um, I'm really excited about this. I've said this lots, but I'm really um, nervous about how we're going to get all this into 20 minutes. <laughs> we'll probably bring you on on the panel discussions and we'll probably hear from you again. So um, let's go. So Mark, introduce yourself to anybody who doesn't know who you are. Tell us about a little bit of what you've done and what you're doing then. Off you get. Well, firstly, thanks for the invite. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, it's been great to meet you and some of your network recently and I've learned loads already. So uh, I'm Mark Howard. Uh, my background is in elite football and uh, high performance. I've recently uh, been head of sports science at Burnley Football Club um, over nearly the last decade. Um, at 16, I left school to join Blackpool Football Club as an apprentice, tried to become a footballer, wasn't really good enough. In hindsight, um, I was probably lucky that I got injured quite badly and had to come out of football. And it gave me the opportunity to go to university. I got some amazing advice that sports science was going to be the next kind of big thing, really. This was late nine or kind of two thirds of the way through the 90s. Um, and then post um, sports science degree at St. Martin's College of Lancaster University, I managed to get an opportunity um, at Bolton Wanderers Football Club, where I had an amazing seven years working under Sam Allardyce and some phenomenal people during that time. Um, and then um, change of clubs, some different clubs at, uh, at Newcastle United, a very short time, sure, very, very short time at Fulham, but, you know, you learn during all of these different experiences. Uh, and, and then I got an opportunity at Blackburn for four years and then Burnley for nearly the last 10. So over 21 years of, uh, of chaos and complex thinking in the world, which is elite football has been lots of opportunities to develop myself and develop others and be part of some special things amazing and again the listeners will already know that's a lot to unpick and <laughs> we yes. can't wait to so 
let's go straight in. So hashtag leadership, what's on your mind? Like what just, what's the basics that come to mind when you hear the word leadership? What's it mean to you? What's it conjure up? I think at the moment, and I've listened to loads of the podcasts, and it's interesting to hear people's views. And if you spoke to them at different times in their careers, you'd have different answers. And the same applies to myself. So you're asking me, Mark Howard, what I think. And at this moment in time in my career, um, I think it's about mindset and how you think. And it's about how you achieve something. And of course, within achievement, there's the what you need to achieve. And as I've matured and got a bit older and really thought deeply about my own leadership, it's also about how you achieve. And it's much more about how as well, because the how kind of naturally lends itself to, the you know, achieving the what, you know, the specifics and the objectives. So I think it's a privilege for sure. Someone chooses to put you in a leadership position because they put their trust in you and think that you've got something to help whether it's them, an organisation, a business, an owner to achieve something. Um, a huge responsibility comes with that because quite often you are leading a team or a small or a big group of people to try and achieve something together, which is uh, an amazing uh, opportunity, which I think is the third thing. Leadership gives you an opportunity. When you're working with people, it gives you an opportunity to influence how they think and, of course, how you think affects how you feel and the whole emotional piece around it. it's kind of the cognitive behavioral theory and triangle you want people to deliver and perform at a high level because that's the best way to achieve your ob objective so if you start with think that's that's your big role as a leader really to affect that i like that i love that and um, so you alluded to then a journey and we know it's a journey and it's different at different points um we ask people to reflect on where their leadership journey started. Yeah. So is it on reflection that I'm asking you now? <laughs> or was there some light bulb moments? And, and how far can we go back for the foundations of like who you are now in a way? So how far would you go back? I'd go back like some of the other uh, guests uh, to, to school days. I think the important thing for me reflecting on this is your leadership journey is kind of broken into different components, let's say. Early on, and when I was at school, um, I was chosen by teachers, for example, or uh, my mates to, to be captain. Um, clearly, there was something they saw in me. I don't think I was necessarily the best player, but probably had certain qualities. You know, when I stepped onto the football pitch, I knew that I wanted to either try and help the manager deliver what he wanted to deliver, i.e. winning games. And I was quite good at organising people and I was a good communicator, even if I wasn't necessarily the best player. And I think when you're younger, it's that unconscious. You're kind of a leader because of who you are. It's your personality. There's certain things that come with that. And as you evolve through time and I reflect on being a young fitness coach at Bolton Wanderers at an amazing time in the club's history, uh, finishing in the top eight in the Premier League for four consecutive years and qualifying for Europe and some international flair and some British um, flair combined together. Like, what an amazing time. I was young then. And then over the next 10 years, I learned from all of those people. You start to refine your own kind of leadership style. People put trust in you because they think, you know, you're proactive, you're enthusiastic, you're good at what you do, you can 
help be part of a team that achieves and then you find yourself in a in a leadership role which I did as head of sports science and it's then when you start to become a bit more conscious of leadership because it's a responsibility and if you're in a job as head of sports science you are being paid to deliver something as a leader Um, (laughs) and so then later in life you start to become self-aware and understand what leadership is for you and I think you earn the right over time to really, you know, fine tune what who you are and really understand that and understand how you can help other people be the best version of themselves to help you achieve, whether in sports science, it's around specific objectives like uh, injury prevention or, you know, developing the children, boys and girls in our football academies or first team players um or performance because you know football's people forget sometimes football's businesses and it's the business of winning and so it's really chaotic and volatile and complex because managers as we know do lose their jobs and i was reading a bbc sport article just yesterday uh, and hearing that 14 championship clubs have uh, have changed their manager already this year which is a phenomenal turnover. So it makes it very difficult to get that stability. And I've been very lucky that I've had a few periods in football where it's not normal to be in jobs for, you know, three, four years, let alone, you know, seven, and then nearly a decade, which I've been, um, you know, a part of uh, another huge success under Sean Dyche at, at Burnley. Yeah, do you know, as you were talking now, I just want to reference something. I remember listening to a podcast that um, Johnny Wilkinson was on and the, the depth of which he's grown as a thinker and yeah. a leader. And he's, I re- always remember him saying that if I was talking to myself back when I was 19, 20 in the changing room and I walked in and talked to myself, I'd be like, what, what are you on about? Like, I have yeah. no idea. And it, and it was a great representation story of, you don't know what you don't know. And this is why we explore that journey. And I love the fact that you've mentioned that, that it, it is different for everybody at different points. Yeah. And to be able to match and mirror and, and influence people, you've almost got to come down to their journey step and then help them on the next step rather than your 20 steps ahead. And you can yeah. lose that relationship. Yeah. So I love that. <laughs> and so you've been exposed to lots of leaders in what we would deem the the um the public persona of football so managers um and we had a conversation about this last week about the the realization of we see the players and the manager we don't realize it's a it's a club and the amount of people in the staff that make up that club um but tell us a few stories about how you've seen leadership um, whether you're happy with saying names, I don't know. <laughs> but obviously that evolves your perception of leadership, your skill yeah. of leadership. So yeah. what are some of the positives and negatives, how you've sort of evolved and your self-awareness piece on leadership? I think the thing for me is to recognise that um, the different positions within the football club come different pressures. If you're the manager of the football club, there's a fair chance, there's a few clubs where you know, the business side of it might not be as important depending on the the finances and the investment. But generally speaking, and the reason why there's such a high turnover of manager is around finances for business. Um, So if you're a manager, 
and I understand this, you've got a job to do and the job is to win football matches. And the thing that I learned from the likes of a Sean Dyche over a lot of time, a, lot, a long period of time, most recently, um, and Sam Allardyce for, you know, probably the first, really the first 10 years of my career under Sam at a few different clubs, but mostly Bolton, uh, and then Sean more recently. And I speak about those two in particular because that's, you know, my obvious go-to because that's the most time I had. A very mixed kind of leadership. So at times, direct, you know, almost dictator-like because that was necessary, um, but sprinkled with compassion. So I knew for both of those managers that if I had a problem at home, I knew that I could go home and look after my family, my kids, if I had a problem, a personal problem. I knew that was there. There was no question about that. And that was really important. And all, all the staff knew that. And that's despite the fact that you're in a complex, high-pressure environment. I think that's important. The thing that I've taken is underneath that, so outside of the finances of the club and the turnover of manager and understanding that the manager may make a decision that you're not happy with, you know, as a head of, depart of, as a head of department with other heads of department working together, I had objectives that may be, for example, injury prevention. I think it's accepting that um, just because you think something doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. And there were times where um, Sean or Sam would overrule what everyone else was thinking or had put forward as their kind of preferred intervention, let's say, and they would make an ultimate decision because they were, you know, at the top of that tree, so to speak, in terms of leadership and say, no, I've taken on board your um, your opinion, but this is what we're doing. I'm the manager. I'll make a decision. And that authority is absolutely required. And it's important for influence to know that that's there. But equally, just to be heard is, is, is very important in terms of, you know, going to psychological safety and having environments where people can speak, you know, what they're thinking. And that's really important. So I think as you then go outside of the pressures of the manager, and into the support staff and some clubs are, you know a lot of the premier league clubs now are, are 500 plus they're large enterprise you know and as you go down the leagues they're a bit more sme they're under 500 250 kind of staff on you know 100 plus certainly so a lot of people there i think the thing for me now in my career is a little bit more about compassion like the world that we live in now i think there's a, a moral and probably a legal obligation to look after our people a bit more. And this isn't to say that you're saying, okay, you can have loads of time off and let's be lazy and we don't have to work hard. Because in a high performance world, we know that quality and quantity together are going to help us achieve. Um, but I think you achieve more in all of this stuff, Stuart, and we've spoken about this, is about motivation of people. So if you can find better ways to motivate people, and my leadership style includes being a bit more compassionate, making sure I'm thinking about what my team need uh, individually. And that's all very different. If you can find ways to motivate them, and it's the same for managers and players, you know, motivation goes up and down. And you can see it on match of the day when the pundits are talking about, you know, a manager's lost the dressing room sort of thing. Like motivation can disappear really quickly. So the lessons to go back to your question about what I've seen is about being proactive, protecting what you've got. Mm. Um, it's human nature to get desensitized to things, I think. So over time, 
you need to be careful with that and you need to keep talking and that's kind of goes into change management and innovation and research and development keeping people sharp and developing so you feel like you're improving year on year i think the nature of the business because it's so um it's so full-on sometimes that football works in seasons so as you know so you know a season can absolutely fly by and you go wow where did that year go and if you not if you've not got that emotional intelligence as a leader to come away from that emotion and make sure you've got good process in place your people know what they're doing they're aligned um and in terms of culture and culture for me is just a product of the people that are in an organization clear vision and, and clear leadership drives the culture um i was i was going to ask you about that so we, we've only got five minutes left by the way <laughs> so, i love this <laughs> uh, so but culture you said about losing the dressing room and this is something that i'm really really i love having conversations around this because we've talked about the evolution and the, the shunt on like the responsibility of leadership from we've talked about the industrial revolution on the podcast we've talked about the covid situation of how leaders have had to go hybrid and look at different ways of working you mentioned about losing the dressing room and sort of linking culture into business as well because you can lose a team you can you can go in and out of favor the, the pressures of um targets projects similar but specifically in football you hear this kind of would they really iconic managers of the past would they be able to deal with it now because like the people have changed society's changed so i'd love to know your piece on that and and suppose it does link into the corporate world as well with the transition side but can you give us a little bit on that i know it's a big question but it's more like a yeah, um, <laughs> i won't i won't go into some of the legendary names and say whether i think they would would be all right would be a success controversy on the podcast <laughs> but it's uh i think my answer to that is and i hope i answer the question is around um emotional intelligence again i've seen really good versions of where you know managers and, and the two that I mentioned were fantastic at this of being, you know, really proactive um, during a, a, a really stable period. And when do you change and when do you not change during periods of success? And Alex Ferguson is a great one. You know, Alex Ferguson was at Manchester United, as everybody knows, for a, a, a ridiculously long period of time. And there's some lessons of leadership from him that are out there in the media and, you know, quite well known around uh, the fact that he changed some of his staff proactively uh, and positively for himself. He changed his players. And sometimes when you're succeeding, it's difficult to think, you know, there's, there's the old adage of, you know, um, if it's not broken, you know, don't fix it yeah, sort yeah. of thing. However, if, you know, some would argue the opposite where, you know, keep fresh, keep changing. And that's innovation, right? Keep mm -hmm. trying to find different ways to achieve something. So I think that proactivity in, in approach um, is difficult because it, you, when you, when it's sometimes the last thought in everybody's mind and when you make a radical change, some people frown and think, why are you doing that? Like, and so that's the leadership kind of, did you, uh, did, you see it, 
the individuals that you were saying then, and I can see the it, it's situational here that some things need to be decided. And uh, the one I'm to is how did the um because we all know that if if there's a reason why and what's the because, how was that done in the football world? Because sometimes there's not time for that, and it just yeah. needs to be a decision. I think now we're more um, demanding of reasons, aren't we? Before you said about dictatorship, I think yeah. industrial revolution do they do, and you wouldn't even ask a question. Um, how was that sort of done in your world of like the bigger picture and the vision, the mission, the purpose? Yeah, I think one thing to say is in football, and because they are businesses and very very complex people, people, you know, you you, you mentioned it before, and and Sean Dyche was very big on you don't know what you don't know. So if something happened, he wouldn't necessarily jump in and be accusational. He'd try and seek to understand and then be understood. Like it's one of Covey's principles, right? You know, seek to understand, then be understood. And I think that's important because if you're not privy to all of the things that are going on, whether it be ownership change, for example, um, you know, finances that are available and stuff for, for leaders that have... Um, big pressure on them to win games and find ways, it can really influence the supporting structures and the environment when, you th when you're not aware of things and leadership decisions are made. So I think one of my, and I, and I mentioned it before, like just because you've got a thought or an idea or you think you're right, that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean what you're thinking isn't right, but it doesn't mean, you know, that's, uh, that's you know, definitely going to be the way forward. Yeah, awesome. I love that. And that's a great way to finish the podcast. Uh, I know we're going to be staying very well connected. Um, I, I know you're going to be coming back on to the, uh, the new Leadership Lounge in the near future. Um, so thank you so much indeed. Um, ladies and gents, uh, make sure you let us know what your takeaway was from that episode. Uh, make sure you go and click Mark's links, go and connect with him, go and find out what he's doing now. Um, go and make sure you go and check out TDL um, the links on there so we're leading the future in L&D um, having that technical asset to the company now it's I'm learning fast as well so it's I felt like a dinosaur when we first had the start of the company so it's it's evolving innovating as we mentioned on the podcast and surrounded by great people as well and Mark is very much one of those people as well so Mark thank you so much absolute pleasure thanks for the invite good luck no worries. And um, ladies and gents, we'll see you on the other side, the Leadership Lounge coming very soon. Take care. Bye.